Can we turn to the Bible, please, and to Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just going to read the first three verses. And the writer says, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1, Therefore, now whenever you're reading your Bibles, and certainly the NIV and many other translations actually have the first word of chapter 12 as therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore written down, ask yourself a question. What's it there for? And the word therefore is a connecting word. And what it does, it, it builds on what it said previously. It says now because of that, or well, therefore, and then what follows is connected with what has preceded it. So it's being built on what's in Hebrews chapter 11 that we refer to a little later on. And so the writer says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endure, endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We trust the Lord will bless to us the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, we just ask that as we now turn to your word, and as we spend time sharing it together, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's almost finished. There's just the closing ceremony tonight at 9 o'clock, and 12 days or so of festivities have, have come to a, I'm sure they've come to a rather loud end this evening, as I'm sure there'll be more fireworks there in Glasgow. And of course, um, for the four and a half thousand participants, it's been an epic uh, 12 days or so. <coughs> 71 nations, 17 different sports, 261 events, somewhere between 260 and 270 medals have been presented. Just statistics behind the 20th Commonwealth Games that have been held here in Glasgow. My, what a, what a great uh, 12 days or so it's been. And of course the world's media has focused on Glasgow in the recent days. The BBC, I think, have done a brilliant job actually in covering the Commonwealth Games uh, for us, both nationally and internationally. Uh, but of course, um, when you think back over the summer, it's been a sports fest this summer, hasn't it? There was the 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 uh, uh, the, um, uh, the the road cycling race, the Tour de France, which started in the northeast of England. There was uh, tennis at Queens and at Wimbledon. There was the golf. We just had the Commonwealth Games, and I understand the Ryder Cup 
is uh, in the next few weeks. So if you don't like sport, you must have struggled over the last uh, few weeks or so. But it's been a real uh, um, concentration of sports. And of course, it's a place where success or failure is separated by a millisecond. Where gold and silver are just separated by hundreds of a second. A place where success and failure is measured and thought of in different ways. You, it was interesting listening to some of the athletes saying things like, um, I got a bronze medal, I'm, I'm thrilled with that. You know, it's better than I ever dreamt. And you tend to think of a gold medal as being not being quite as good as a silver or a gold, and in some ways it isn't. But they were pleased with what they had achieved. And of course, it won't have been missed upon any of us who are Christians that the Christian life is a race. You and I are involved in our Christian journey, we're involved in the Christian life, and uh, the Christian life is compared to a race the Apostle Paul says, I fought the fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. And one of the interesting things uh, I find when you listen to people being interviewed, particularly on television and radio, uh, and often when you read the reports in the newspaper, and it was true in the London Olympics and the Paralympics, and it's been true in the Commonwealth Games, is many of the athletes said, you have no idea how much help the, the crowd was. As the crowd cheered, there was this great wall of sound as they urged us and cheered us on. You've no idea how much it helped us and it gave us that extra bit to just carry on, to, to keep on going. And often they said their, their performances were actually enhanced by the people in the crowd who were supporting them. It's been good that there's been no partisan attitude within the crowd. The crowds in Glasgow really supported everybody for whatever nation and cheered them on and willed them on to win and to do their, their very best. And the writer here in Hebrews says, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. The, the imagery that we have here in Hebrews chapter 12 is of the, the games, the, the ancient games, the Greek games, the original Olympics, whereby you had these vast stadia and you had people surrounding the people on the field participating as athletes or maybe there were those who ran in through the entrance at the end of the marathon as they came in there was this vast arena of people just cheering them and willing them on and the interesting thing is that when you look back at what it's been saying in chapter 11, what it's saying there is the people in the stadium are not just spectators, they're people who have participated in the race themselves. They are past champions, they are past Olympians, they are people who are former, former gold, bronze medalists and silver medalists. These are people who participated, they know what it's like for the people on the field. And what are they doing? Well, their time, has, their, their time has gone. They've moved on. And they're in the crowd now. They're cheering and willing all the people on who are participating on the track and the field events. They've been there. They've done it. And they've got the T-shirt. They've run their race. And now they're supporting current athletes. They're cheering. They're standing. They're willing them onto the finishing line. And on the field, 
the participants are striving, using every muscle, every sinew to try and achieve that better performance, that, that, that step towards winning the gold medal or one other uh, of the medals that was available. And so there's a sense in which when we come to the Christian life, it's a bit like being a participant in the Commonwealth Games. Or the Olympic Games that you and I, uh, as Christians, we're in, as Christians, we're living on the field, and we're seeking to run the race. As Paul says, we're fighting the fight. Other imagery, and he says, I've kept the faith and the challenge, and the encouragement that comes to us tonight from Hebrews chapter twelve. I find most helpful. First of all, let's look at some things by way of encouragement, because. There are encouragements. And the Apostle says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Derek Bingham used to say that encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. Um, on one occasion, he had listened to or read a report about one of the Northern Ireland MPs at Westminster. And he'd given a speech and Derek thought he'd done really well, he had uh, stood up for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so it was that Derek wrote to him uh, and, and, and encouraged him. And this MP wrote a letter back to Derek, on a House of Commons notepaper, he simply said, Dear Derek, thanks for the oxygen. And you and I, in our Christian life, need to be encouraged. Sometimes there's a lack of encouragement. It's good to draw alongside people and encourage them and say, you did well, or thank you so much for doing that, 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 that kind act uh, for me. And so we need to encourage people. And the reason we need to encourage each other is because the Christian life can be lonely. It can be tough going out there. And often, as we seek to deal with problems, as we face challenges, as we meet opposition, as we try to work out what our priorities are, we sometimes maybe ask ourselves the question, does anybody really care? Is anybody interested? Are people really listening? But what's the effect of giving out these Gospels? We've just been involved in our church in the Penny Gospel Initiative, whereby every home in Lenzie and Kirk and Tillock has got a copy of the Penny Gospel. And uh, you say, well, as you're popping these things through letterboxes, are people going to read them? Are you going to take an interest? And just one, we just, one just wonders sometimes you know, where it is that all our service is leading when perhaps we don't see the kind of fruit and the blessing that we might like to see. I, I rather think sometimes in the West we've got a bit of this distorted picture of the church. Because when you go to other countries, you'll find the church is growing exponentially. In South, South America, in Africa, in Arab countries. Do you know the fastest rate of growth in the evangelical church at the moment is in Iran? as Christian broadcasters are beaming in the gospel message and many people in Iran are trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour and right around the world there's an army of ordinary people as the hymn writer says, people like you and me were engaged in the race, were engaged in the battle and so the apostle says therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Three words out of that to draw our attention to. First of all, we are surrounded. I said earlier that sometimes it's a lonely life being a Christian life, and we feel that we're on our own. And yet, we're not alone. 
There are others who stayed the course. There are others who are involved in, in the Christian life uh, day by day. Others live around us who are Christians actively involved in, in sharing the gospel with other people. And here the writer says, and there's a vast arena of people in the stadium that you and I are surrounded with. You look down um, 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 chapter 11 uh, and you see people like Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, all mentioned. And you and I can think of Christians that we've known and have gone to glory. They've gone homewards and heavenwards. They've gone to be with the Lord. And you and I could add more names to that list there. In fact, the writer says there's so many to list, um, we can't mention all of them. And it's good to know that we're not alone. So be encouraged tonight, as you and I live our Christian lives, we're not on our own. We are surrounded. Do you remember the, the occasion in the Old Testament when the, the servant uh, uh, of the prophet said, you know, we're, we're all alone. And the Lord prayed the servant's eyes would be opened and you could see thousands of people round about. Uh, and so we're surrounded. But then secondly, by such a great, a great crowd of witnesses. Great, not just in terms of number, but great in terms of quality. Some of the loveliest people you come across are people who love the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour and seek to share the gospel with other people. When you look at the list of Old Testament characters that are listed there in chapter 11, um, they're people of quality. People who've made their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ or to, to God the Father as the, it was in the Old Testament. They'd, they'd made their commitment and you and I could could add different saints that we know. These are examples of a great number in terms of quality and a great number in terms of quantity who stayed course, who have gone before us and they're willing you and I on now as we seek to live our Christian lives. And then thirdly it says a great cloud of witnesses. A cloud of witnesses. When you read chapter 11 and verses 38, 33 to 38, if you've got it, just follow it in your Bible. Chapter 11, verses 33 to 38. Notice what the writer says. People who conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies, armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others were still chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Have you and I been there? Have we been that far in following Jesus Christ as our Saviour? And if we feel we have then they are surrounding us with their support at this time. These are people who can identify with us. And you know, there's nothing better when you're going through a difficult time than actually have somebody sit beside you who's been through it. 
They know what it's like. They've felt it. They've sensed it. They've been there in their own experience. And so when we come to look at this passage here, tremendous encouragement that we are surrounded uh, by a great cloud of witnesses. You and I are not alone in our Christian faith. When we trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour, God didn't say to us, well now you've trusted me, you've accepted Christ as your Saviour, on you go, away you go, just, just live your Christian life. You're on your own. The Lord didn't say that. When we became Christians, the Lord said, I will give you my precious Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And because of that empowering, that inner dwelling of God's Spirit, we're encouraged to run the race and to join those past heroes of faith, encouraging us to do what they did as they ran the Christian race. And so there are encouragements here in this passage for us. But as well as encouragements, there's also a challenge. And the writer says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith there's a challenge there and he gives us three pieces of advice in this particular passage and the first is this travel light travel light notice what he says let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, I don't know how much you've managed to watch on television, or maybe you've even been into Glasgow over the past uh, uh, 10 days or so and watched some of the events. But I must confess I've yet to see one of the athletes wearing a backpack. I don't remember seeing one athlete wearing a rucksack with a 20 kilogram load on his back or her back. Um, athletes don't carry backpacks. What they do, they get rid of everything that's going to hold them back. They get shot of anything that's going to hinder them. They're going to make sure that nothing will slow their progress. And athletes pay attention to a whole range of things. They pay attention to their technique, to their diet, uh, to uh, their clothes. If I, I, I read on one occasion that some athletes actually shave the hair off their arms to make sure they reduces the friction of the air on their bodies when they're running. Um, they pay attention to their equipment. They use the best possible equipment that's available to them. Was it in the London Olympics? The, the people involved in the cycling uh, you know, around this sort of the, the velodrome thing, uh, they apparently said the reason we're so good at cycling is because our wheels are rounder than anybody else's. Now, whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. But it, it just highlights the fact that they were paying attention to their equipment. And the writer here says, we've got to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. They don't carry heavy weights. They make sure things don't trip them up. They don't wear long flowing clothes that wrap around their legs and stop them uh, running fast. As a Christian, we need to travel light. We need to get rid of anything that's hindering our progress as Christians. Maybe unhelpful friendships. Maybe petty arguments. Maybe pride. 
maybe jealousy, maybe a spirit of unforgiveness. All sorts of things creep into our lives and we need to get rid of these things. Because you see, if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to give up something. Uh, it's interesting, when you read the New Testament, you find that a lot of people who followed Jesus Christ, they gave up something. Think of Peter and Andrew walked away from a fishing business. Think of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, um, gave up a lucrative fishing business with their father to follow Jesus. I can imagine Zebedee down there in Galilee, in Capernaum, he had a shop. And outside the shop he said Zebedee and sons. And when James and John decided to follow Jesus, he had to cross the and sons bit out. Because Zebedee on his own. Well, maybe he had other sons, so maybe he didn't have to do that. But, but James and John gave up something. Matthew gave up a lucrative tax collecting business to follow Jesus. Bartimaeus threw off his cloak to follow Jesus. Uh, Joseph and Nicodemus sacrificed their reputation with the aristocracy in Jerusalem at the time to take care of the body of Jesus when they took it down from the cross. If we're going to follow Jesus, there's a need to give up, to throw off, to throw away the things that entangle us so that we can travel light. I wonder if there's someone here tonight carrying some baggage, an issue that rose in the past, you've never really dealt with it, every time you think about that event, that person, that situation, you find yourself getting annoyed, you have, you have fictitious arguments in your mind about them, you beat yourself up, and you and I need to get rid of these things. Interesting, when you do pastoral work, over the years you come up against people who say, I've had this problem for five years, or ten years, or twenty years. I had somebody on one occasion tell me I had a problem for forty years. We need to travel light. Sharp everything, throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. Secondly, we need to hang in there. We need to hang in. You see, the Christian life is a marathon. It's a long distance race. And you and I are engaged in a lifetime's journey. And one of the key words the Apostle uh, uses here is the word perseverance. Perseverance. Let us run with perseverance, he says, the race that is set before us. And to the writer, finishing was more important than winning. Sometimes we think that winning is the all-important issue. But often it's a matter of finishing, of being patient, of enduring. It's interesting when you, when you, you listen to um, sports people and so on, and when you witness some of the events that take place, often the loudest cheers of the crowd were for those who finished last. People who struggled but achieved their goal, and when they got the finishing line, a great cheer went up from the auditorium. Not for them, a gold medal, but they persevered. They persevered. And that's what Jesus Christ asks you and I to do in our Christian lives, to persevere, 
to press on, to keep running the race, not deviating from the path that has been set before us. In the year 2000, the 2000 Olympics, there was an athlete called Eric Musabini. He came from Equatorial Guinea. And one year before the 2000 Olympics, he learned to swim. So he'd been swimming for a year. And he heard about the Olympic Games and he thought, I'd love to represent my country. So he went to represent his country uh, in, the, uh, the games at, um, in, in, in the, the uh, Olympic Games and, uh, in Sydney. And uh, in the heat that he was in, there were only three people in the heat. And the other two were disqualified because of false starts. <laughs> And so Eric, who'd only been swimming for a year, just dived in the pool and swam along on a fairly leisurely rate, you see. And when he got to the end, he'd swum alone, but he got to the finish. And the crowd just rose to their feet and they cheered. He persevered. He reached the end. In Barcelona in 1992, in the 400 metres, Derek Redmond's hamstring snapped. He picked himself up and he hobbled on around the rest of the course and his father was on the side of him, cheering, willing him on. And as he passed the finishing line, the crowd cheered that this man had struggled, suffered so much. He was last, but he'd finished the race. He'd finished the race. In the 1968 Mexico Olympics, a man from Tanzania, a marathon runner called Joe, uh, John Ahuari, he was injured in a fall early on in the race. He picked himself up and he ran on and he limped over the finishing line one hour after the previous last competitor. And when he was being interviewed, he said this, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to start a race and not finish. <laughs> Isn't that a lovely attitude? And one that you and I as Christians should adopt that we need to hang in there, that we need to press on, we need to persevere, because finishing is important. Finishing is important. And then the third thing we find in this passage is that we need to stay focused. Stay focused. Notice what the writer says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Stay focused. Sharon Davis now commentates on sports events. She was uh, in the Moscow Olympics in 1980. She won a silver medal in her event. Uh, two years earlier, in 1978, in the Commonwealth Games in Edmonton, she won two gold medals. And she said this about participating in these kind of events. She said, when you take part, the secret is to shut out everything around you. The crowds, the TV, the former successes, whatever you think of, forget it. Put it all behind you and bring your focus on what's to hand, the finishing line. The finishing line. Stay focused. And I was interested to hear one of the... Um, athletes in the in the Glasgow Commonwealth Games just last week say that when you take part there's a point where you have to ignore everything around you the television cameras the crowd the photographers so on. you have to get it all out of your mind and you fix your eyes on one thing the finishing line the finishing line
stay focused. In the 2012 Paralympic Games, there was a particular athlete who was expected to do really well. And you know how at the start of the, each race, each uh, athlete is introduced and people will cheer them and so on. And there's a great crowd of 80,000 people cheering uh, 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 towards the start of this race. And this particular athlete wanted to focus. And so he looked at a section of the crowd and he went like this. And suddenly, around the stadium, swept silence. You could have heard a pin drop. Why? That athlete was waiting, as another athlete said, he was waiting for the beer to bang. So at the moment the gun went, focused, going for the uh, finishing line like an arrow. We need to stay focused in our Christian lives, single-mindedness. Jesus says, so let us look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The Apostle Paul says this, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is head, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Remarkable verses these in Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with patience, perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Jesus Christ is someone who travelled light. When he needed some money, he said to somebody, show me a penny. Um, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't burden himself down with things that, that held him back. He travelled light. He hung in there. At the end of his life, he said, Father, I've completed the work that you gave me to do. I've finished the course. And he stowed, stayed focused. From the moment he was born to the moment he died on Calvary, his single focus was Calvary. Calvary, in order that he might die there for you and for me. So as we look at this passage tonight, there are three things to encourage us. There are three things to challenge us. And towards the end of his life, as we mentioned earlier on, the Apostle Paul writing to young Timothy said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I can just imagine... When Paul got to heaven, the Lord said to him, Well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Winners take gold, they take silver, or they take bronze. But the great thing about the Christian life is that uh, it doesn't matter where you are in, in, in terms of getting over the finishing line, there's a crown for every one of us. There are crowns that the Lord wants to give to us in that coming day. So as we think of these things tonight, let's be encouraged, let's be challenged, and let's go for gold. Hmm? Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the simplicity of it and the truth that it teaches to us. And we just pray that you would help us in our own Christian lives. Help us as we seek to serve you day by day. Help us to be encouraged by the things we have read from your word and by the, the support 
of other Christians round about us and the fact that your Holy Spirit dwells within us wanting to help us and strengthen us enable us to live our lives for you day by day and help us Lord please to travel light help us to hang in there help us to stay focused in order that we might serve you and we pray that in doing that as we come to each stage of our lives and we perhaps move on to other stages we just pray that that in all these things that the Lord Jesus Christ might be honoured and glorified in Jesus name we pray Amen <laughs>